Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Welcome to River, Va- uh, River Valley. I was going to say River Baptisms. That's tonight. Uh, and so, uh, man, I'm thankful that you guys are here today. Uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. And uh, just in way of announce or like fill in the gap kind of a thing. Uh, early this year, I told uh, our church that we, in the very first sermon series of the year, is, is that we were going to be at River Valley intentionally multi-ethnic. And uh, the reason is, is you see this, this wonderful picture in the Bible in Revelation where the Bible says every tribe, every tongue, every nation stand before the throne of God and worship God together. And so there's not separation by geography. There's not separation by uh, economy. There's not separation by men and women. There's not separation by young and old. There's not separation by denomination. There is complete uniformity of all of the rainbow of God's creation worshiping him together. And we see that that's going Going to be what happens in the Bible. And so we made the decision to be much more intentional about making Sunday morning uh, like heaven is going to look like. And so we, we've done that uh, or, or trying to do that along the way. And all of that to say, I think we got a little bit closer this morning during worship. Amen. That was amazing. It was great. Uh, I wanted to close out the service today. So I want to send you straight out from here. And, uh, and so, you know, we had announcements before and I'm glad because I would have totally choked up had I tried to straight come from that song to uh, sing. So I'm so thankful for our band and for leading us in that. So we're going to look today at what the gospel is and how it is, how it affects our life, what we are supposed to do with the gospel. And, and to make no bones about it, some of you need to understand the gospel and what Christ does to save us and also the response to that, of which a big one is tonight, to be baptized. So we have, uh, I think Ben said 13 signed up for, I guarantee you we're going to have way, 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 way more than that tonight because you're sitting right here and some of you are already He's talking about me. Yes, I am. All right, so here we go. So I want us to look at the gospel and see what it is. Now, one of the cool things about this, um, I, I preach this sermon I dare, at least dozens of times in the sense of what is the gospel. And so as I started studying this sermon, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, I never want to take it for granted. And I also don't want to just reiterate things that I've said. Give me fresh vision, fresh eyes to see this. And so I was so excited, like all, even my wife, who's heard me so many times, uh, it's ridiculous. Like, I'm like, you're going to hear new stuff today. And she's like, finally. And so it's going to be great. So uh, God gave me all kinds of new stuff. So I'm really excited to preach this. So Luke, or Acts chapter two, Peter is preaching on Pentecost. The Holy Spirit's come into him and he's preaching in verse 22. So we're going to go uh, verse 22 through 24, then keep your Bibles open. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and to kill him. But God raised him up, ending the pains of death, because it is not possible for him to be held by death. 
So this, this, is a, a, this passage right here is a great encapsulation of what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news, the, the story of Jesus, particularly the story of the very end of his life. And so we're going to look at this gospel, and he, and he says one thing coming into it that I think is so interesting. He said, Jesus was attested by miracles. Jesus was attested by miracles. Now, he could have said, Jesus did miracles, but he didn't say that. He said, Jesus was attested by miracles. This, that word means clear evidence supported by witnesses. Clear evidence supported by witnesses. In other words, Jesus did miracles and they all knew it because many of them had seen it. Jesus did miracles and he says in the text, he says, and you know this. Some of them were there. I, almost all of them would have either been there or had a friend said, I was there. Just a few days earlier, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. He had literally been dead four days. And it was just a few miles down the road from where he is. So there would have been people going, I was at the funeral. We were about to put him in the tomb and and we uh, closed it up. And then all of a sudden he came alive. Jesus was attested by miracles. The people that were here in this day, Jesus is not a mythology. His story is not something that, you know, sometimes we hear like telephone. Well, this was added and this was added as you tell people. It's not true. He is sitting there and he's going, you know this is true. You saw it happen. You saw it happen. Jesus did miracles. The Bible said so many that the books of the world couldn't contain them. We know several, but so many. He was attested by miracles. And when, when, Paul, or when Peter says this, the people can't go, hey, I was there. That's not how it happened. They were, they were eyewitnesses to the fact that Jesus did miracles. And so they attested to that. And then the Bible says that God had a plan. Jesus was not taken from us because um, God's plan messed up, but it was God's plan that he was taken and he was nailed to a cross and they killed him. The Romans, I read a book earlier this year, and it talked about the different ways that the Romans uh, killed people. The Romans killed people according to uh, how, uh, what had happened or what the, their, their penalty was uh, based on how bad what they had done. One of them that I never heard of before that I didn't know is they would put you in a sack. They would, t- uh, they would uh, lace up the sack. They would sew it up and they would throw it in a river. And in the sack, it was covered in scorpions. And so you would be stung as you drown. And that was one of them. But the worst by far was the cross. That was an easy death. It was actually a quick death compared to the cross. You might not know, you've heard the word excruciating. The word excruciating means out of the cross. Because in that day, the pain of the cross was so great that they didn't have a word to describe it. Pain seemed insignificant. So they literally came up with a word, excruciating out of the cross. This unbelievable pain. So as I was praying about that, I was like, Lord, I have described that in great details over the years, many times. I want to do something different. And then I was like, you know what, Lord, a lot of times we've watched it. We'll, we'll watch the Jesus film or, or, or one of the other films that describes or shows Christ's crucifixion. And it's, it's very effective because they're very uh, accurate. But I've done that. And the Lord just, I mean, it was just a moment of clarity. The Lord said, let them hear the sounds. Let them hear the sounds. So I want to describe to you or or let you hear the sounds of the cross. Jesus was crucified with two criminals on each side of him. 
and they knew what was coming. So you can imagine as the executioner came to uh, put nails into their hands and their feet, the, the, the two men, the two criminals would have immediately started bargaining. No, 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 don't, no, stop, please, please, please. I, I've learned my lesson, stop. I mean, they would, have, they would have done everything that they could to get out because they knew how much pain was heading their way. But make no doubt about it, Jesus did not bargain. Jesus did not say, don't do it, don't do it, because they were not nailing him to a cross. It was God's plan. Jesus did not try to get out of the cross. Jesus headed for the cross. He made no bargains. He was going to the cross so that the sin of the world, your sin and my sin, could be up there with him. Now, it was incredibly painful. So as they put the nails, as they would put them on their hands and their feet, you would hear, And then you would hear, ah, stop. You would hear the pain. You would hear, stop. Jesus was nailed to the cross. The sin of the world, your sin and my sin, every time was put in there. So many times when we talk about the cross, we forget the incredible pain of hour after hour of Jesus being nailed to the cross. The excruciating death that God endured. But the Bible says, we just read in verse 24, it said, he ended the pain of death. You and I deserve the cross. We did it. We enjoyed it. We knew what we were doing. And many times we did it again. We deserve the cross, but we will never experience the pain and the agony of the death for our sins because Jesus took them for us and Jesus ended the pain of death. Jesus took our penalty upon him. Jesus took the shame and the guilt upon him. And then the Bible says on the third day... God raised him up because it was impossible. It was not possible for him to be held by death. Jesus was resurrected. Now, if you are a literalist, this has probably bothered you over the years. Because Jesus was crucified. The Bible says the day before Sabbath, that's Friday. So Jesus was crucified in the afternoon, the late afternoon, on Friday. And so Jesus was resurrected on Sunday mornings. And if you're a thoughtful person, you know, you have an American mind, 24 hours is a day. So 24 hours should go from Friday to Saturday to Sunday to Monday. So Jesus, that would be a 72-hour period. Jesus, though, was resurrected after three days, but it didn't take that long. Let me explain to you why that is. You are going to make a big mistake in interpretation if you ever start with where you are and move backwards to the Bible. If you start with how you are and how you think and move into the Bible, it's always going to lead to interpretation mistakes. And it's a really good way to start a cult. It is. So don't do that. Instead, you have to start with the Bible and move into your life. The Bible is the authority, not your experience. And so we think of a day as a 24-hour period. That is not the way that the ancient, especially the ancient Jews did. Any part of a day that you experienced something, that was a day. 
that was a day. And so you might think, well, that's wrong. Well, that's just the way they did it. So Jesus was dead on Friday. The, the Jewish day began at sundown, not at midnight as, it, as we do it. The Jewish day began at sundown. So Jesus was there in the afternoon, and he was there on a Friday. Then he was there on a 24-hour cycle from, Saturday, uh, from Friday night to Saturday night. And then the rest of that he experienced on Sunday morning. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, that's three days in the way the Jews think. And so that's the difference of how that is. Sometimes people will try to say, well, Christ was crucified on a Wednesday or things like that. It's, it's just not true. It's not how it happened. It's an American trying to, trying to figure out the 24-hour cycle. Don't do it that way. The Bible says he was crucified on Friday, the day before uh, uh, Sabbath. And so the disciples died, or excuse me, Jesus died proclaiming, I will come alive. Jesus had told his disciples, he will resurrect. He will come back from the dead. And so they, but they were so caught up with the fact that he died. I mean, can you imagine putting all of your time and attention into one person and then watching him take that lifeless, limp body off a cross and hurriedly, because the Sabbath was coming, put it into the tomb? Can you imagine how defeated they were in all of that? But the Bible says that Jesus was in the tomb and then God brought him alive. God resurrected him. That's why we celebrate on Sunday. Today is a day of resurrection. I tell the band from time to time, hey, I don't want sad services. Sad services are for Friday. Sunday is resurrection day. We, God is alive. He is on the throne. Jesus has, has overcome sin and hell and the death. And life is hard and so many of us get beat up. And I want you to go, but I'm going to church on Sunday. I am so excited that God is resurrected and he is alive and he has done this in me. And so the disciples changed how they were thinking because of the resurrection resurrection. All of a sudden they understood death cannot hold him because Jesus is more powerful. They understood that the grave cannot keep him because he is an eternal and an alive God. They understood that sin cannot tempt him. Jesus went to the cross sinless so that he could take our sins upon himself. They understood that hell could not have him because our God is a God of heaven and he wants to live it with you. They understood that Satan cannot overpower him because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to the Bible. So the cross wasn't the big deal anymore. The resurrection was the big deal anymore because God raised him from the dead. He's not a dead God. He is an alive God. The angel roll back the tomb, roll back the stone so that they could release him so that he could go and proclaim his message. The morning sun, it illuminated him and all were there to see. The women came and they witnessed to him and they said, he is alive and they witnessed to that. And now the world can come and the world can be saved by him. Thank you, Jesus, for the resurrection. It's how we're saved. The resurrection is how you are saved. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you are not saved. And those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ do not put our faith in that he died. We put our faith in that he died for us, for the sin of the world. And he was crucified, buried, and resurrected. We put our faith in a living and true God. And they saw it. Remember, they witnessed it. They're going to proclaim it for the rest of their days. And let's be honest. Ten of the remaining 11 disciples are going to die for their faith. You, th you say, well, they just stole the body or it was just a myth. Or they Would you die for a lie? Would you die for a lie? If you knew it wasn't true and they began to torture you, 
out of all ten, out of ten of the eleven, well, you, surely one of them would have gone, okay, I'll show you where the body is. They didn't die for a lie. They believed it because they had seen Jesus resurrected. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Now, let me show you how the gospel impacts our life. Verse 25 uh, through 28. The Bible says this. He's, he's quoting the Old Testament about David. And he says in verse 25, I saw, uh, For David says, I saw the Lord ever before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope because you will not abandon me in Hades, that's hell, and allow uh, your Holy One to see decay. You have revealed the paths of life to me and you will fill me with gladness in your presence. Let me show you just real quick all, all of the things that I could find. Verse 25, he says, I saw the Lord before me. So you see God you, in him. And he says, he's at my right hand. You get the presence of God when you uh, accept the gospel. And then the Bible says, you will not be shaken when bad times come, when people are against you. You can rest in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 26, he says, I have a glad heart, not because of circumstances, but because of eternity. I know Jesus is here. He says he gives you a rejoicing tongue. He, we praise God this morning. We rejoice in who he is. And then he says, your flesh will rest in hope. Not just a spiritual hope. He says your flesh, a hope of an actual life that is changed and better because of the gospel. Verse 27, he says, we will not be abandoned in Hades or hell. We will not experience the second death, but we will be with him for eternity. We get life over death. God will not allow us to decay. Verse 28. He says, he reveals the paths of lives to me. He shows you what it, your plan is for your life. He shows you what he has for you. All of these are the things that are the, the ways that the gospel impacts us. God gave us so much in his salvation. Not just sins are gone. Not just heaven is our home. but so much even here on earth. So, the disciples in verse, uh, excuse me, the, the hearers of this, of this talk, uh, verse 37, they ask a really important question. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? Circle that word, do. So, Peter replied, repent, be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord will call. So, what should we do with the gospel? What should we do with the gospel? Is a really important phrasing here because they didn't, they didn't hear this message and, go, and say, what should we believe? What should we believe about this? No, they said, okay, now that I believe, the Bible says they were pierced with the heart, how should I act? What should I do? If you have a faith that doesn't prompt you to follow Jesus, if you have a faith that doesn't change who you are and make a, a different noise in your mouth, different language, different thoughts in your life, then the Bible says you're not saved. Faith without works is dead. So what should you do with the gospel? What should you actually respond and, and do? Because true belief requires action. True belief, salvation requires action. I have met Jesus Christ and he has changed me. And, and they, so they say, what should we do? And he says, first of all, repent. Repent, each of you. Repent. It's a biblical word. It means to be traveling in a direction and to change one's thoughts and to turn around. 
It means not just to physically, but you see the belief and the action. I change my thoughts. I'm living my life and I'm going to turn. It's not just pray this prayer and you'll be fine. It's no, no, no. My life is different. I'm going to now follow Jesus. I've been running from Jesus. I've been following my own way. Instead, I want to now follow Jesus Christ as Lord. He says, repent all of you. And then he says, be baptized, be baptized. The order is always the same. We find this, this phrase, repent and be baptized, over and over, especially in the, in the book of Acts. It's never be baptized and repent. So the Bible wants you to first repent and then be baptized. One of the things, because we have so many people from so many backgrounds, uh, that I always want to be careful in how I approach this subject, but also also want to be very, very truthful in what you need to do. Now, uh, September 18th, we're going to have a parent-child dedication. And so we'll have here a baby, there a baby, everywhere a baby, baby. All right, I mean, we got, we got a lot of babies at River Valley. I mean, it is, it is crazy right now. So we, so we want to dedicate them to the Lord, and we want the parents to stand up and say, I have faith in Jesus Christ, and we're praying, hey, we want this faith to be in this child's life. And so we'll dedicate them. Many of you had a similar experience, except you were in a mainline or a Catholic church, and your parents sprinkled you as infants, baptized you as infants. Listen, I don't want to pick a fight with your grandma, okay? I don't, I don't want to do that, all right? So, so I'm not picking a fight on that, it's, but it's the same kind of concept. It's this idea of, I have faith, I want to pass it on to my children. But baptism in the New Testament is after repentance, when you choose to repent, when you choose to follow Jesus and show the world through your baptism that you have given your life to Jesus Christ. And so if you were sprinkled as a baby, fantastic. Be baptized as an adult. Let Jesus, let uh, the world see your testimony. Let people know that you have given your life to Christ. Uh, let your family know, hey, the, 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 it's come full circle. Now, the faith that you had, I now have as my own. And you stand up as a testimony, and that's what a baptism is. We don't ask you to give a speech. We don't ask you to come up front. In fact, today, you're going to be surrounded by people who will not only cheer for you and, and, and be excited about that, but you'll be uh, so many of them. I mean, it really is an awesome sight to see when we baptize uh, in the river. So, so you need to be baptized. And the Bible says each of you should do this. And then it says in verse 39, for your children. <clears throat> for your children. One of the best things that you can do for your children is for you to show them faith. Not point them to the place, the church that teaches about faith, but for you to show them faith. For you to say, hey son, hey daughter, follow me. I'm following Jesus. Have faith faith. And it is a powerful testimony. We sang about it at the beginning of this, the, uh, this service, this very last song. It's for your children and your children and a thousand generations. One of the great values of River Valley is we believe, we want generational Christianity. We want you to pass on the, to your children and them to pass on to their children the, the story and the belief in Jesus Christ. And one of the most powerful things that you can do is show them and show them. And so if you've never been baptized, then give your life to Christ in repentance, and then you are baptized for your faith. Uh, one, of the, one of the great, most fun things of River Valley is we love, we love doing generational baptisms. In other words, it's, it's happened a lot at River Valley. So I'll baptize, let's say I'll baptize the man, I'll baptize the husband. 
The husband will turn around and baptize the wife. Then the husband and wife will turn around and they'll baptize a child or two. That happens all the time at River Valley. We love that. I want, if, if you are an adult or if you've given your life to Christ and you've been baptized, you are welcome to baptize today in the river because the Bible says he wants us to baptize. So be a part of that. I mean, I love that because you'll remember that forever. You won't remember me. You'll be like, yeah, I remember he was bald. That's all you'll remember, you, you know, but, you, but you'll never forget when your dad baptized you or, or the, the person who led you to faith, your mom and how much she prayed for you. And so we've seen that a lot. Twice at River Valley, we have seen three generations of baptism. We have seen, we have baptized grandparents who turned around and baptized adult children who turned around and baptized teenagers. We've seen that twice at River Valley. A few years ago at the river, we saw an 80-somewhat-year-old, all of them got saved at River Valley, a great-great-grandmother. We baptized her. She was the great-great-grandmother. We skipped a generation. We didn't baptize the great-grandmother, but we baptized the grandmother. Now, she didn't. She said, I'm 80. I'm too old to do that. So I did it for her. But we went from great-great-grandmother to grandmother to mother to teenage daughter. We had four generations baptized back to back, all of which got saved at River Valley. That's amazing. And it's exactly what the Bible is saying for your children, for your children. <clears throat> Today, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, then you need to do that. If you've not stood up publicly to be baptized, do it today for your children. I find a lot of people uh, making the mistake of, well, I want this thing to happen and it just to be this perfect. When God says do it, do it. You're like, but I want my parents to see. FaceTime them in. All right, I'm telling you, or I want to invite some, okay, take a picture, send it to them, but do not miss out on what God is doing. They say, what should we do? And he says, repent and be baptized. And the Bible's going to tell us in a little bit, about 3,000 were baptized that day. Do it. Do it. When God prompts you, when you hear the word of God and you understand your next step, do it and see God work in that way. And it's also a testimony. He ends up with this in verse 39. He says, it's for all who the Lord will call. It's for all. It is a testimony to those who will see. It is a testimony for those who will run across. I love our river baptisms. It's always fun. It's always fun. I mean, we look like this giant gang just coming down there. I mean, people will be sitting there like, something about to go down. I, I mean, it's always, right? I, I, uh, I look back, uh, you know, on, on Facebook, you get these reminders all the time. Melo get these reminders of, of we baptize, we usually baptize that in, in August at the river. And here's this line of people. We, I think last year we baptized 36 in the river. Here's this line of people. And behind that, there's always one guy going by in a kayak. You know, like, it's just like, whoa. You know, that's exactly the way we want it. We don't want it to be picturesque. We want it to be a testimony, a witness to look at what God did in their lives. I hope they see somebody and go, I can't believe that guy's in the river. I can't believe Jesus saved her. I can't believe their life has been touched for the gospel. Absolutely. And if you're here today and you think, well, this is for religious people. This is for people who got it right from the beginning. This is for people without the baggage and, and all of the things that I have done. Here's my word for you. God can turn your test into a testimony. God can turn your mess into a message. Your baptism, your faith in Jesus Christ displayed publicly today for all of your sin, for all that you have done, is a wonderful, powerful, 
uh, life-changing, earth-shattering testimony and message to the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Don't let other plans come in the way. Do what you need to do today. What should we do with this God who was attested by miracles, who was crucified for the sin of the world? What should we do with this God who was resurrected from the dead? We should repent, all of us. We should be baptized. Those who have never given their faith to Jesus, they have never been baptized by immersion after their salvation. Why? For our children and for all the world to see. I invite you right where you are to pray. Bow your heads for just a moment. So I wanted to close out the service this way so that you can immediately respond because we want to make sure that we're ready for you tonight. Jesus truly was God. Not just in the Bible, there's so many ancient manuscripts that talk about the miracles of Jesus. People saw it. People in his day saw it and they attested to the fact Jesus was a miracle-working God. Everyone who was with him saw it. And Jesus was crucified. He did not deserve death. He never sinned. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Jesus didn't deserve death. But he took, because he was perfect, he was able to absorb our sins. He was able to, to bring them into himself. So that you and I who had sin could end the pain. He could end the pain of death for us. That we don't have to, we don't have to live with that pain anymore. We don't have to live with that sin and shame over us. And the Bible says, God raised him up. We don't serve a dead God. We serve an alive God. He's sitting on the throne of heaven. And the Bible says he will come back one day. Until then, we are people of the resurrection. We hoop and holler and sing and laugh and have fun on Sundays because Jesus is resurrected. So what should you do? Do not make the mistake of saying, oh, I believe that. The question is, what should you do? Number one, repent. If you have never um, trusted Christ as your Lord, repentance is the picture of going one day and, or going one way and realizing, I need to turn around. Man, this... I'm leading in this road. It's the wrong way to turn around is to repent, to change your thinking, to say, I'm going to let Jesus rule and reign in my life. You believe in the gospel story. You believe in uh, that he is God. You believe that he was crucified, buried, and resurrected. You want him to be your Lord. Let him be your Lord today. Repent. Turn around. Just simply say, Jesus, no more my way. I choose to follow Jesus. Secondly, be baptized, always in that order. Even if you were sprinkled as an infant, even if you were raised in a church, if you've not had believer's baptism, that means into the water, that means after salvation, after you repent, then you have an opportunity today. And it's one of the most uh, vocal things that you can do. We go out into the community to do it. Lots of people see. Your children will see it if they are here. Fantastic. They'll say, what's going on? You can tell them about Jesus dying on the cross for other sins. 
It's such a powerful testimony. We'll baptize again here in a few weeks. I guarantee it just because some people will see it today. And the testimony alone will be enough. So you're going to have the opportunity. We want to know who you are. So we're ready for you tonight. So as soon as we're done, if you've given your life to Christ, you can go out these doors, talk to Ben. We got a t-shirt for you, and uh, we want to we see you at 5 o'clock. Call everyone you know in the community. Man, have somebody um, FaceTime or take a few pictures, and we'll see the testimony. God, for those who are repenting right now, God, for those who are giving their life to Jesus Christ, we praise you. Jesus, it's not, it is the power of the gospel which is unto salvation. And we thank you for that. God, I pray for those who were uh, baptized today. I pray that they would see and sense your presence in their life. I pray for those who are baptizing, for their family and friends who are baptizing them, for us as pastors, that we can know, uh, God, it's such a rich reward to see people give their faith to Jesus because of that. God, I pray for those who are watching the baptism today, especially those who are just there at the river. God, I pray that you would touch their heart and show them that Jesus is alive and well and he lives in the people around them. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.